Hello, and welcome to show number 2307 of Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. I would recommend it for anyone who is blind or visually impaired that is, you know, struggling to find work or wants to maybe change their job and, and kind of enter a new career. And we're talking about a great service that will help you train for a job and acquire a job. We'll speak with Matthew Kale, a blind job seeker who completed a program through Insight and obtained a sourcing specialist certificate. He'll share his experiences with us about the training and other support provided by Insight that helped him secure employment. But first, for our tip of the week, this week's tip comes from Matthew Kale. I guess I would say just always keep trot looking for new opportunities. If, if some avenue gets, you know, closed, if a door gets closed in your face, always keep looking for a new one. That's something that I did. I had a lot of doors closed in my face, but I never stopped looking. I never stopped trying to find an opportunity, anything out there that I felt could better my situation. And I definitely did that with insight. And it's, you know, been a real big positive in my life. And that is a great tip because there are many ways of finding happiness. There are many jobs that can be satisfying to people. I originally wanted to be an experimental physicist. And I was partially through my PhD program when I talked to my advisor and he said, you know, I'll support you in anything you want to do. I think you can do it. Just realize it'll take a little bit longer. And since I didn't want to be in graduate school forever, I became a theoretical physicist, and I had a really fun career. I don't think I missed much. Right. There's many ways being happy. Yeah, absolutely. And with your recent training through Insight and your new job at Johns Hopkins, you're actually helping other people get through new doors into new careers. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd love to have you know anyone who's, who's blind and visually impaired, you know, feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to be able to help them out in any way that I can. I can't guarantee you that I'm going to get you a job at Johns Hopkins, but I'd love to you know, be able to help you in any way possible. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by APHConnectCenter.org, empowering people toward independence and success by providing blogs, information, and resources for individuals of all ages who are blind or visually impaired. Information and referral line are at 1-800-232-5463. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 Let's start by meeting Matthew. Good afternoon. My name is Matthew Kale. I'm a talent acquisition specialist at Johns Hopkins Medicine. I'm from Pennsylvania. I recently completed the talent acquisition sourcing program through Insight, which is a division of NIB, the National Industries of the Blind. And you are presumably blind. Can you talk a little bit about the state of your vision and what adaptive tools you might use? Sure. I am not totally blind. I am a sighted person. I'm, I would be considered legally blind. The assistive technology that I use is a closed circuit TV and Zoom text primarily for everything that I do on a computer. Do you use a cane at all to get around? No, I do not. Well, that's good. That's essentially how I saw when I was younger also. Support for Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. 
Find out more about partnership opportunities by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. A few months ago, we did an episode about the Insight Employment Readiness Program in which we spoke with its director. This week, we hear what that program is like from the perspective of a participant. Today, Matthew, we wanted to talk mostly about your experiences with Insight and how that benefited you. But for our listeners who aren't familiar with Insight, can you tell them a little bit about the program? Sure. So the program is 14 weeks of online learning, which is a combination of using uh, the social talent sourcing platform, which kind of teaches you how to be a sourcer, sort of slash recruiter. And then it's also combined with online live like kind of classes where we're dealing with an instructor and their other students as well. And then that transitions after the 14 weeks into an internship. Mine was with Bristol Myers Squibb. And what did you do during the internship? You did pretty much what you would train to do in the 14 weeks, which was to be a talent sourcer, which is someone who goes out and proactively engages passive talent and gets them interested in um, the open positions of an organization and then kind of you pass them on to a recruiter and they kind of then advance through the kind of hiring pipeline. Is this what we would casually refer to as a headhunter? No. What's the distinction? I think headhunters kind of operate more on like a client basis than a sourcer does. A sourcer is usually working for a company and you're kind of with with a headhunter is kind of kind of more like a recruiter I think than a than a sourcer is. Uh, a sourcer is more you're just getting people interested in the open positions that you have and then kind of passing them along to the recruiter who then kind of takes the ball the rest of the way and gets them hired. So you mentioned that you're from Pennsylvania, but Johns Hopkins is in Baltimore. Are you able to do this job remotely? Yes, I am. Yeah. Oh, well, that solves one problem that people with vision loss have. Yeah. Remote work is very convenient for anyone who is blind or visually impaired. How did you get connected with Insight or find out about them? I was just looking for different opportunities online, and I just came upon Insight, um, began reviewing the organization, seeing what they were all about, looking at the programs, you know, reading what the programs were about, and I was really impressed with what I saw and decided to apply for it. And what were you doing at the time? I had just graduated uh, in 2018 with an associate's degree in human resources, and I was looking for a job. And then, you know, the pandemic happened and that kind of shut everything down. Once everything had kind of started to open back up again, I was, you know, back on the hunt looking for jobs and just other opportunities as well when I came upon Insight. What was your experience looking for a job with a visual impairment? Did you find that as an impediment looking for a job? Do you mean like the actual act of just like searching online for jobs or do you mean like the go, the whole process of maybe interviewing and, and everything that goes along with that as well? Well, I guess there is the combination. If you can't see too well, sometimes these websites aren't very accessible and they can be confusing. But I was mostly thinking about once you got to the point of interviewing and if you told people about your vision problems on your resumes... I never told anyone about it on a resume. I did in several instances have to mention it in an interview because 
I would show up and even after filling out an application online, they would then say, here's a paper application. Can you fill this out? And I would say, well, no, I can't. And I would have to explain to them that I'm, I'm visually impaired. And how did that go? Were they receptive to that? They were receptive to it. I don't know. I mean, nobody really reacted poorly. I don't know if that had any um, effect on, you know, how they were viewing me as a candidate, but I never felt like anyone had any issues with it. So Insight really was part of your job hunting process. And when you found them, you thought that would be a valuable resource that could help a little bit, I guess. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I really liked the idea that it transitioned right into you know, an internship where you can really kind of show an employer that you have the skills to, you know, to perform this job. And the fact that it was with a really great company also helped as well. Internships are great experiences. I often say that many colleges ought to really encourage students to do internships while they're going through college to give them some idea about what it is like working in a real environment, to give them a chance to network with people in the field, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Well, and in your situation, you did not actually go ahead and get hired by the company that you did the internship with, but I assume they were able to write a very knowledgeable recommendation for you that would enable you to get hired at your current position at Johns Hopkins. Yeah, three of the people that I used for references actually came from BMS. So yeah, they they definitely did help me get uh, the job that I have at Johns Hopkins. So you talked about doing this job sourcing work. This sounded like it was right up your alley since you had a degree in human resources. I suppose Insight offers other opportunities besides that? Yeah, they are. I, I'm sorry, I can't remember all of them. But there was at the time when I was you know, looking at their website, I think there were like three or four other certifications that they have. But this one just really was perfect for me and what I was interested in doing. We looked up what training programs Insight does offer. And in addition to the sourcing specialist certificate that Matthew did, there's also training available for Cisco Networking Academy, IT Essentials, Cybersecurity, Customer Outcome Selling Workshop, Business Essentials, and any of four Google certificates in IT support, data analytics, project management, and user experience design. Now let's get back to our conversation with Matthew. And how long have you been at Johns Hopkins now? I've been there now, oh, geez, let's see, for the past like four months. Uh-huh. And you like it? Oh, yeah, very much so. Yeah, everyone's great there. And what exactly does your job entail when you try to tell people about these job opportunities and different types of jobs? Is this mostly people inside the company, outside the company? How do you connect with them? This is dealing with passive talent outside the company. So Hopkins will have an open position, and then it's kind of my job to partner with a recruiter, go out and kind of seek out people who are qualified for that job, kind of get the job in front of them, get them to see it, look, in, look into it, and you know, hopefully get back to me. Usually I'll be having a conversation kind of back and forth if the person has any questions. Then if they really are interested in the position, I will pass them on to the recruiter that I've partnered with, and they will kind of take it the rest of the way. But a lot of the people that I'm dealing with, they may be looking for a job or they may not be looking for a job. It's kind of, I don't want to say the ideal candidate, but really meets all the, the qualifications that you're looking for. 
and then just getting them interested in that job. Because you really can't just post jobs anymore and just hope that people or the qualified people you're looking for are going to apply. You have to go out and really seek them out. And how do you find them? Do you go to job fairs or colleges and universities? I mean, pretty much all of the work that I do is done online using different platforms like LinkedIn or Seekout, really almost any any social network. I mean, you can anywhere that you can find somebody and kind of get in contact with them is fair game to reach out and, and try and communicate with them. So is a lot of your work done on computers these days then? All of it. I guess that's a, one thing that's really changed since we looked for jobs about 40 years ago. There's a lot done on the net and LinkedIn. It's amazing. Even being retired, I get all these notices from LinkedIn that so many people looked at my LinkedIn profile and it's like, really, I'm not even looking for a job. Yeah. I mean, it's very competitive out there. So even if somebody, I mean, typically I wouldn't look at somebody who's retired and maybe that wasn't even an actual, maybe that was just kind of an automated thing that went to you, but you have to always consider all your options and you have to really try to exhaust the talent pool when you're going outsourcing. So you said you use screen magnification to do most of your work. Do you find that taxing on your eyes if you're actually doing this eight hours a day and looking at a screen? Um. Not too much so. Um, I love having everything that I use I, is on like dark mode. So it's it's not very bright, which I like. It keeps it really easy on my eyes. And, you know, ZoomText does have speech features as well. Um, so no, I, it hasn't really bothered me. What kind of reactions do you get from your colleagues about being visually impaired and, and working in a slightly different way? The only people who I think are even really aware that I'm visually impaired are maybe my boss and my director. Most of the other people that I deal with, I mean, you're mostly just dealing with them through email or Microsoft Teams or something like that. You you really don't have a tremendous amount of like face-to-face contact with people. Oh, that's funny. You know, when I worked at Xerox as a research scientist, by that time, I was using Braille and speech more than uh, CCTVs and all. And I had my own office, but adults never ask, you know, how do you do your work? They'd see me Mm -hmm. at meetings. They'd see me in the hall. And it wasn't until bring your child to work day that they'd come into my office and they'd see my Braille display and hear my speech synthesizer and say, oh, is that how you do your work? You're right. There's sometimes not a lot of FaceTime directly where people are doing their work these days. Yeah, I mean, I think the entire talent acquisition team works pretty much remotely. So none of us are really, you know, in physical contact with each, with each other. I just met with my director the other day, and she lives in, I think, Tampa, Florida. How did you get interested in doing this type of work? I guess, you know, I, I was interested in human resources. I thought it was something that I could transition into, and kind of recruiting and talent sourcing falls under that umbrella. So I thought it just seemed like a, a great marriage of the two, and I think it's a Sourcing is something that's really getting more and more important because, as I mentioned earlier, you can't just rely on people coming to you, getting the right people to come to you. You have to all really go to them these days. That's kind of like a puzzle to figure out. It's got to be interesting to try to find these people who are kind of hidden. It depends on the position, but it can be really challenging. I mean, I'm working on clinical dietitians right now, and there's lots of them. I'm also working on an Epic principal trainer, which is a little bit more difficult, a little bit more niche. So 
each position has its own, you know, its own challenges when you're trying to source for it. So what is your typical workday like when you come in in the morning? Typically, I log in through my JH account, and then I just go straight to my inbox, see if anyone has gotten in touch with me over the, you know, over the evening hours, and then just go through, respond to anything that, you know, I may have got, and then kind of clean up the inbox, make sure that everything is organized. And then I'll usually start working on, you know, either I'm sourcing for a position or I need to do more reach outs for a position. Then once I've done that, kind of wait to see what kind of responses I'm getting, then kind of filter any questions that I have to answer and then get the interested candidates to the proper recruiter. And, you know, throughout the day, I might have meetings or just miscellaneous emails that come my way from, you know, different recruiters or my boss or something like that. And you can work just normal hours in your time zone and then catch up with who's ever in some other time zone during your work cycle? No. Johns Hopkins is primarily located in the kind of Baltimore, D.C. area. Right. And everyone who works for Johns Hopkins, even remotely, has to be in kind of a neighboring state. So you can only live in D.C., Virginia, Pennsylvania, Delaware, and Florida and work remotely. So everyone is on the Eastern time zone. And that makes it a lot easier holding group meetings, even if they're all digital. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. I guess I, I, if I could be reaching out to a candidate who um, you know, could live on the West Coast, but it's typically hard to get people to relocate you know, many states over to a, to a new job. So most of the people that I am reaching out to and looking to hire are within the kind of D.C., Baltimore, you know, Maryland, Virginia kind of area. Which is a great place to live in unless you're trying to commute. Yeah. <laughs> With your working totally from home, do you ever miss not meeting people face-to-face, colleagues or people that you're working with? Um, I mean, I guess it, it can complicate things sometimes when you're just going off of like an email or, you know, a message on, on Microsoft Teams. You know, you, you can't really hear the tone of their voice or what they how they intended something to come off. But I guess I'd say not too much. It doesn't really bother me all that much. I do have, you know, several meetings every week where I am, you know, seeing someone uh, kind of on Zoom or on Teams. And, you know, I'm seeing them face to face and speaking with them, even if we are not in the same physical location. So it sounds like you're very happy with this job and doing very well at this job. How did Insight help prepare you for this type of work? And, you know, kind of what would you give them credit for? Yeah, well, I would, I would say I definitely give the program and um, my instructors and the, the kind of learning platform that I use did a great job of teaching you really everything you need to know to do this job. And then what I did with my time at BMS was really just put all of that into practice and get the kind of live experience of, you know, what it's like to to really do this job. And yeah, I, I have no complaints about what Insight did. I, I definitely feel like they they prepared me very well for, you know, what I'm doing right now. And I'm sure I wouldn't have this job if it weren't for the Insight program. So it sounds like they trained you for this job very well. And that helps you be successful in your job now. Yeah, absolutely. How did the internship work? Well, the internship was was already arranged through them. I didn't have to like look for that at all. That was part of the program. 
the program transitions from the 14 weeks of training right into the internship. Did you have a choice of internships or did you have to interview for various positions? No. Insight kind of set, sets up the internship. They're the ones who partner with BMS, kind of get everything set up. And then the entire class transitions into working at BMS. Got it. And then making the transition from your internship to your job at Johns Hopkins, how did that work out? It worked out very well. I mean, I'm, I'm doing largely what I was doing at BMS. Um, you know, maybe there are a few small tweaks to it, but pretty much I'm doing the same thing. So I definitely felt prepared when I started working for Hopkins. But I take it that was a job that you did have to interview for. Yes, it was. And did Insight help prepare you on how to interview and how to go through that process? They helped with resume writing. I can't remember if they helped with interviewing, although I don't feel like I ever really struggled too much with interviewing. I, I feel pretty confident speaking with folks. Yeah, I don't recall them doing anything to help me prepare for interviews. Uh, but they definitely did help with like, you know, crafting a really, a really nice resume. Mm -hmm. Our son went to Drexel where they do a lot of internships and they have kind of a matching program. It's almost like the dating apps where they match up prospective employers with prospective students and hirees. Did Insight help in that sense with you finding the job or they just did all the training, help you write a resume and said, good luck finding a position? Yeah, pretty much. They just helped you kind of get trained, write the resume, get experience in sourcing. And then the act of finding a job was your responsibility. Although I think Insight does have its own job board. Um, I didn't really have to check that out too much because uh, I was attracting a fair amount of interest from prospective employers. How did the hiring process go for you at Johns Hopkins? How I got my job at Hopkins, you know, I just went back on the job market. I was applying for different jobs. At the time when I was interviewing at Hopkins, I also had several other employers that were interested in me, but I actually contacted my instructor, who was the person who ran the kind of live classroom part of the training program for Insight. She's a recruiter herself and, you know, said, hey, you know, I'm looking, I'm very interested and she had a connection at Hopkins who she put me in touch with. And kind of that's how I got my job at Hopkins. A personal connection can make a huge difference, even if it is only to catch the attention of the hiring manager. And now that you have your job at Hopkins, do you have any connection with Insight or anything that they help you with or you help them with? No, not really. But it sounds like overall a very good and valuable experience. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would recommend it for anyone who is blind or visually impaired that is, you know, struggling to find work or wants to maybe change change their job and, and kind of enter a new career. I remember there was one girl in um, my training program who I think had been working in customer service, but was really just tired of it and wanted to kind of change her career and do something different. And that's why she was interested in the program. Can you talk a little bit about some of the other participants in the Insight program you were in? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to remember the exact number of how many other people are in the program. Um, it varied. Some of them were totally blind. Some were visually impaired, like myself. Um, I would say the majority of the people, I, I'm guessing, were a little bit older. Kind of maybe, I know there were several people in their like 50s 
um, who are, I guess, just, you know, looking to, to change careers and felt like, you know, this was a, an avenue that could really help them. I don't know that anybody else from the program was able to get hired in the field of sourcing. I'm really not sure. But I think mostly everyone enjoyed the program and felt like they got a lot out of it. I think it's definitely the kind of thing that you're going to get out of it what you put in. Um, I definitely took it very seriously and made it, you know, my major priority in my life because I wanted to use it to get a job, which I did. But I think everyone, by and large, really enjoyed it and felt like it was beneficial to them. Who pays for these programs? How does that work out financially? What you would want to do is get in contact with your OVR counselor for wherever you live, and then they will work with Insight to get it paid for. Got it. So this is no charge to the people participating in the programs, and it's usually funded by some state agency or government agency somehow. Correct. Yes. Well, that sounds like a great experience, and I wish you success in your career. It sounds like you're already happy in your career and doing well. So what more can you ask, right? Yeah. Thank you. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about Insight's employment training programs and how to contact Matthew Kale. Well, Matthew, if people are interested in finding out more about Insight or some of its services, where would you tell them to go? You can just go to Insight's website. I think it's insight.org. It's n-s-i-t-e.org. I would also tell them to probably connect with Billy Parker on LinkedIn. He's one of the directors at uh, Insight, or maybe Ricky Howie. She's uh, another one, or Marianne Hageley. Uh, and you can connect with any of them on LinkedIn. They'd be happy to communicate with you, I'm sure. And if people had questions for you, would they be able to ask you questions and network with you? Sure. If someone wanted to connect with me on LinkedIn, I'm Matthew Kale. I work at Johns Hopkins. I'm a talent acquisition specialist. Feel free to connect with me. I'm on LinkedIn constantly. So I'm sure I'll, I'll, sure I'll see your message. I guess particularly for people who are looking for jobs. Makes your job easier yeah. if they connect with you. Yeah, absolutely. Can you spell your name? Sure. It's M-A-T-T-H-E-W, and Kale is spelled K-E-H-L. Great. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, it was great talking with you today, Matthew. You sound like a real poster child for going through that program and finding fun, rewarding, and enjoyable employment. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I've enjoyed myself speaking with you guys. And as usual... In case you missed any of that contact information in the audio portion of the show, you can always find it in the show notes associated with this episode, which is episode 2307 at net. And of course, we'll also have links to Insight and a link to the previous episode in which we talk with representatives from Insight about the programs that they offer. That's it for today's show. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be getting an inside look at audiobook narration. Listening to audiobooks has become a very popular way of reading for people with and without vision loss. We'll talk to Hilary Huber, a voice actress who has narrated over 700 audiobooks about how audiobooks are made, 
the challenges faced by narrators, and what makes her job fun and rewarding. There's a lot more to it than you would expect. She certainly had some interesting insights, so we hope you'll join us next week to listen to that episode. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.